Welcome to the Retail Insider video series. I'm your host, Craig Patterson. And we're joined here today with two special guests, John Torella. He's a senior advisor at the JC Williams Group in Toronto and is a specialist in both marketing and branding. And we're joined here again, of course, with Lisa Hutchinson as well. She's managing partner and strategist at JC Williams Group. Welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Craig. This video interview is sponsored by Salesforce. Salesforce just recently held its Tableau conference in Las Vegas and launched some new products around AI. For more information, visit salesforce.com. And we're going to have a conversation here today, something that I'm very interested in and something that we've been discussing for a little while here on the Retail Insider video series, as well as in articles. We're talking about department stores. This is something which we've seen, I guess, almost... I don't want to say die in North America, but pretty close to it. While at the same time, we've seen department stores thrive in places like Asia and Europe uh, under different business models that are a bit more exciting. So I wanted to talk to uh, some people here at JC Williams Group. Um, you know, John, you've done some traveling. Uh, you've got to see some really interesting department stores. But we're going to first talk a little bit about the past uh, and some of the challenges that we've seen there. So in Canada, we've had stores in the past, department stores, Eaton's, Simpson's, Woodward's, Morgan's, uh, Sears and Kmart. Um, those are all gone, actually. I think the only one we have left is in terms of being a traditional department store is the Hudson's Bay department stores. So uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the past and maybe some mistakes that were made with these department stores. Well, you know, I come from a kind of unique perspective because I spent a number of years as the CMO at Eaton's. And Craig, I got really a deep understanding of the culture of department stores. So here was this Canadian hundred year old department store, you know, cities, suburban, rural locations, uh, its own call center, own delivery, uh, junior executives from schools all over the country, you know, a hostel where Young women could stay for a while as they got into their jobs. Um, you know, they had their own brands, Etonia, Viking, that were leaders in their class. And so I tried to think about what was it that were really inherent strengths? And I think fundamentally, was this concept of good satisfactory or money refunded. And, you know, we all heard the myths of people, you know, buying stuff, using it, sending back. But, you know, from cradle to grave, they satisfied a whole bunch of needs built on this trust. So that was a cornerstone. Um, the other thing they had was just um, a deep sense of the country in Canada. And, and, you know, John David would make a point of, you know, we need to be true to our roots. So a lot of really deep strengths, absolutely. So when I think back, well, what, what were the weaknesses? What were the barriers? What eventually led their, their, to their demise? And now, I've thought a lot about it, and it seems to me that fundamentally, Lisa, Craig, it was they just lost sight of the customer. 
and they tended to generalize about the customer. And I can remember many meetings talking about, oh, the customer is so price conscious, you know, his service and so on. But the thing that we really realized ultimately is the customer was not one thing. And if you didn't recognize those segments of differentiation, you were in trouble. So that was certainly one issue. A second was um, they really didn't make the investment in technology. They didn't see, you know, the, the digital revolution that was coming. And it tended always be putting on the back burner, another big issue. Um, and I think finally was just a, a an old fashioned, out of date, leadership style, command and control, my way or the highway, merchant prince, all of that kind of stuff. And the young people that were coming into the com company, they didn't buy that, you know. So there was really little appreciation by diversity, um, little compassion, you know, no respect for certain groups. So I think ultimately all of those things kind of mushroomed into just out of touch. Yeah, and, no. I, and I, would, I would agree particularly from, you know, sort of the past, there was these this real sense of community with some of these brands um, and where their role within each of the communities, you know, some of them were in Toronto, some of them were more focused out West and smaller communities. Um, so, but then to your point is, I think that evolution is what we still see happening today. Brands that don't, brands, concepts that don't pivot, adapt, listen to where the customer is, they, they fizzle out and they become irrelevant. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, sort of what we keep seeing happening over and over again. And also a lack of investment. I remember before Eaton's uh, had shut down, uh, uh, in the late 1990s, um, it, you could just sort of feel this almost slow death. It, it didn't seem like there was a lot happening with the stores. They weren't that exciting. And also another thing I recall is um, in the 1970s and 80s, and even before I was born, um, retailers like Eaton's had a decent uh, selection of actually you know, higher-end designers. And this is something that we saw, I think, uh, after the recession of... Uh, you know, in the early 1990s, uh, it seemed like all the stores lost those as well. And I think that lost, that created a, a bit of a lack of excitement, I think, on top of that, in terms of uh, the positioning of these stores. We've got to learn from the past if we're going to really address the future. And so let's kind of switch to the future. And we love to take a global perspective. We're part of a global Eveltoff group. And so we always think, uh, where do we start? Well, let's start in London. Um, and let's talk about Selfridges and let's talk about Harrods. And I just absolutely adored going to Harrods and the food hall. And you went in there and that was an experience like no other. And, and this love of food and the diversity of the food and the ceremony of the food and, and the staff that was it was, you could spend an afternoon there and just love it. So that was always our first tour 
And then Selfridges, and in my humble opinion, uh, if I had to pick one department store of the future, it would be Selfridges. And why? Because they have this incredible sense of the contemporary customer. They're just one step ahead, you know, whether it was cosmetics or fashion or their windows or events or activities or advertising or publicity. They were always leading that customer. It was always a place to go and learn and know. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would certainly uh, speak to both of those, but Selfridges, even just, you know, some of the experiential elements we've seen them do, they were highlighted in our book a few years ago from an experiential point of view with the fragrances, um, you know, some really exciting things. And I think that that's a really important element today for department stores is to create that sense of experience and draw, drawing the customer in. I remember going into the uh, the kitchen area, and they had a uh, they had a, a table, and the heading was the Italian Sunday <laughs> sup. And here was this table set up with food on it. Uh, pasta and the raviolis and the dessert and the antipasto and uh, they they went to that degree to involve the customer and to excite all of your senses so it wasn't just a, a plate and a glass it was filled with wine you could see it i loved it i say these stores look nice as well that's i think one thing that's important yeah, is that they've got absolutely. you know in, interiors that are at least a bit upscale interesting there's there's visuals right uh, yeah, merchandise presentation, huge departments. And, you know, they had a taste level and a coordination and, and a way of presenting style and fashion that was untouchable. So on to the city, in my opinion, that best demonstrates the department store of the future. Guess who? <laughs> Paris. Paris. Galleries Lafayette, Au Printemps. I mean, on and on and on. And um, I had the opportunity to spend a, a week there at Christmas this year. And it reinvigorated my belief that there is a role for this department store if you step up to it. And boy, those stores, they were dull. The display, the out, outside lighting, the graphics, the people, there was just a buzz when you went into those stores, you felt special. I mean, you were greeted, you were treated with respect and humanity that was just so untraditional of retail. So Paris. Having a view of the Eiffel Tower is, is not a bad thing either from yeah. an experiential point of view and really drawing upon that. Yeah, I agree. Paris has some amazing stores, uh, Le Bon Marché, uh... Uh, which I think is an LVMH brand, also Le Samaritain, which opened uh, during the reopened during the pandemic, uh, um, uh, part, part of I think DFS, uh, part of LVMH. Uh, yeah. uh, one thing I've noticed that's, that seems to be a bit in common, and we'll go through some more stores here as well in, in Europe and, and in Asia, uh, is that there there aren't necessarily that many locations, and they're probably expensive. This is not kind of a Zellers or Sears type of store. This is more of a towards what we would have in Canada, a Holt Renfrew type of. Uh, price point, maybe not quite that expensive uh, in terms of its overall positioning though, but. Uh... LVMH is, is really interesting in what they're doing. And, and I think it's it's kind of a, 
way the department stores are going to go. What they're saying is we don't even want to be called a department store. We're, we're a, a really lifestyle, life-enhancing store. And, and if we're going to take that position, it's really going to influence the way the store is laid out. So they are moving from department, menswear department, for example. No, no, no. We don't want suits, on, you know, piles of suits and piles of shirts. What we want is end use. So move from department store to end use. So if you need business attire, here's everything you need for that. If it's active wear, here's what we need there. If it's leisure wear, and that is absolutely brilliant because that's the way you shop. You know, their home furnishings department, it wasn't mattresses and sofas and tables. It was dining room, living room, kitchen, outdoor, deck. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely Lifestyle brilliant. vignettes. Yeah, yeah. John, you were in Italy a few months ago, I think. Was it over the Christmas holidays? Paris over the holidays, Italy just before that. Yeah, Italy every year. That's my culture, I, my heritage. Um, Lorena Shante in Milan. It's just a chic place. I mean, you go there not just to look, but to be seen. Mm. And the people are, you know, I mean, the Melanies, they dress absolutely stunning. You, you just walk through that store and you're kind of head turning everywhere you go. And then you have to go to the dining room. You know, you have to go to have lunch there because it's a ceremony. You know, you start with the aperitivo and, uh, you know, primo and secondo and dolce. And, you know, it just goes on and on. It's so sensual in every aspect of it. I, I just adore it. I guess you could go on to Spain and Barcelona, Madrid, uh, El Corte Inglés, um, you know, the Spanish, you know, with tapas and and their absolute deep passion for food, their department stores make a big thing of the food floors and they're, they're stunning. That's right. Um, one thing I've noticed, we were searching for images for uh, El Corte Inglés and uh, very often what people will post on Google Images is photos from the restaurants that are located in the store. So you will see some photos of, say, we were looking for photos of the fashion floors and whatnot, but uh, very often people are posting what they're eating. Another interesting thing about that chain as well is I believe it's the only real department store chain in Spain, although at this point in countries that's not unusual, but for many years it's been really the only player that I think Spain has had. I don't know what this fascination is about photo photographing the food tree. <laughs> but I have two sons, and one's in New York and one's here, and they travel a lot. And they're always sending me these pictures of these meals they're having. What am I supposed to do with this? Be envious. <laughs> yeah, I guess, so. I guess so. Okay, let's finish up the tour. And again, a, a place I've been a couple of times, Tokyo and Mitsukoshi, the department store there. And Craig, it is really a department store like no other I've ever seen. It's incredible food floor. You could eat there every day for a month and never duplicate. You know, a theater, a full line theater, they, they make a thing about customization and personalization. So, you know, your custom made suit or jacket or whatever it is, the Japanese are just fanatical on, on detail. 
you know, the bonsai, the department layout, the special packaging. You just want to take the packaging and forget about the product. They're so great. Anyways. Hong Kong as well. I think we had Lane Crawford. Uh, <laughs> uh, and many of these cities have a lot of crossover. Some of the Japanese stores uh, and whatnot, even Chinese, are in cities like or places like Hong Kong. Bonnie Brooks. Do you know that name? Yes. Oh, definitely from Hudson, mm -hmm. Hudson Bay Company. Yeah. So she was at Lane Crawford and she invited me to go there to do a presentation to her staff. And again, the just luxury of the shopping experience. You sit down, you know, the, a cappuccino or an espresso is brought to you. She told me that her staff spend as much time in people's homes as they do in the store. So if you're a good customer, they're coming out to your home and seeing your environment and understanding your closet and what your needs are and having this really fixation on going the extra mile. Her thing was go the extra mile, do all the little things well that nobody else does, and that will differentiate us. Wonderful, wonderful sense. It's fascinating that Bonnie Brooks, um, you know, had that vision and that was something implemented at Lane Crawford, which is a much more expensive store than uh, Hudson's Bay. But here in North America, we don't really seem to have this exciting retail in the department store space in the same way, unless maybe you include Mexico City, in which case you've got uh, Palacio Diero. But uh, yeah. the United States and Canada, you know, it seems like we're not, we haven't kept up, have we? No, and I, I'm, I'd love to be able to put my finger on why. Like, there's just something, whether it's, again, the leadership or the visionary pieces of it or just a deep sense of, of satisfying, you know, the unmet needs of their customers. There's just something about it. So here we are. We want to get a sense of the future. Where do we look? And our belief is look to Asia, look to China, look to what Alibaba is doing and Tenshin is doing. And Craig, they have an ecosystem that connects the store or the company with the customer. And they are so far ahead in technology, whether it's AI or artificial intelligence, augmented reality, they are getting a deep information data, but most importantly, insights into the needs of the customer. So what they're saying is, okay, Lisa, if we know you, and we probably know you in many ways better than you know yourself because we're tracking your purchases, we're tracking your behavior, we're tracking your social media. And so what they're doing is say, we're going to build off that understanding to satisfy more of your needs. So what are they doing? Travel, education, banking, on and on. And this reservoir of insights just opens up as the customer needs met or unmet, they're moving quickly into them. So I think, uh, again, if, if our Canadian department stores or international department stores go to Asia, you'll get a, you'll get a sense of where it's all going. There's a grocery store there as well. Um, I can't remember the name of it where, uh, again, it's high, it's, it's highly experiential. They can cook the food for you right in the store. Um, you can bring it home with you. It, it, it sounds, I mean, the experience is there one way or another. 
Yeah, and reading just recently, Alibaba, they have now taken their six companies and separated them. So now they're each aligned as a company, but competing with one another. And so you've got this sense of tension going on within the company, you know, to move the banking end of it, to move the travel end of it, to move the education element. You know, you've got a young daughter, she's going to have to decide where to go to the university, where to go to school all over the world. We can help. Fascinating stuff. Do you both see this as possibly being some of the characteristics you see in the department store of the future? Because uh, I don't think the department store is going away. It's just going to change. Yeah, and, it and it's change. going to stop being called a department store. It's got to be a lifestyle, life-enhancing life store. Forget about departments. That's not where it is. That isn't where the alchemy is. It definitely has to be more lifestyle to make more sense and diversify. I don't think we're really seeing that in North America, in which case, in theory, we may not have department stores in a few years. Well, so I'll tell not you where they are today. Yeah, they've got to change. And, you know, they're resisting change. I don't think they appreciate, you know, the future's a long time coming, but when it happens, it happens fast. And it's happening now faster than ever. You know, one of the topics we're working on is just the metaverse. You know, and, and where is all of that going when you have this merging of digital and physical and the implications of that? It's, it's a different world and the uncertainty of it all and the confusion of it all. And, you know, the borderless aspects of business today, the biggest and the best, you know, they'll go anywhere in the world. There's, there's nothing stopping it. It's a matter of, I guess, reinvention or perish for the department store concept. That's our bottom line. Yeah, yeah. that definitely is. And I, I think it's a lesson for all retail, but we're seeing it particularly as it relates to department stores. Yeah. So we thought we'd finish off with just, um, you know, if we were writing an outline of what department stores of the future have to be thinking about, we thought, well, first of all, you better have a vision that's unique and different and special. And, and you know, you better then have a, an infrastructure, a, a, a team, a leadership group that embraces that vision up every day and says, okay, you know, let's stay the course. And we've got to have to support that vision, a point of view. You know, I can remember having a conversation with Fred Eaton when he was running Eaton's and was at its peak. He eventually lost interest in it. But he said to me, John, department stores are a school of life and you better be a student of life. And that always stuck with me, you know. So if you've got this vision, you've got to have a point of view. You've got to have fixation with being unique and special. And then your team. And, and it better be a team. Got to no be bottom up, side. top down. You know, and, and the things we're talking about, get rid of that old merchant prince command and control and start to think about compassion and empathy, you know, respect, di celebrate diversity within your group, encourage, you know, discussion, points of view. And, and then, you know, you better make an investment in technology and big tech because those tools are going to be integral to success. And then just do it. You know, rephrase what you said, reinvent or perish. That's what it's about. 
This has been a great discussion on department stores. I got to say thank you so much to both of you. We got John Torella, senior advisor at JC Williams Group, specializing in marketing and branding, and Lisa Hutchinson, you're the managing partner and strategist at JC Williams Group. Thank you so much, Joe, both of you for joining us here today. Thanks, Thanks for, for the opportunity. It. And thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here today. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder of Retail Insider. I'm also the publisher of Retail Insider Media. Thank you so much for being here, whether or not this is you're watching us on YouTube or whether or not you are listening to us on one of our podcast channels. Be sure to subscribe. Take care and bye for now.